It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. I'm Rob Murphy. The sports ground is looking fantastic in the uh, evening winter sun. Connacht, we're not looking fantastic today. Dave Finn and Alan Deegan are my guests to start the podcast. Dave Finn finished uh, the midweek podcast by pointing out that this is on paper, at least, Connacht's final home game of the season. Well, Dave, I'll put it to you to start the podcast that on paper, at least, we should be relieved that there aren't too many more home games at the way Connacht are playing at the sports ground. Yeah. Uh, good evening. Um, sorry, he picks his moments to, to introduce me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, you were taking a little uh, foot from the hip. Flap. It is. It, 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 say that in the podcast, are we? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's of a non-generic. When it's this cold, when it's this cold, you're allowed to take a nip yeah. of the hip flask. It's a cure. It's a non-generic uh, uh, American bourbonized whiskey that I happen to have in today. So um, maybe they sponsor us a bottle or two. Um, better chance of my slain whiskey having a better chance because that's fabulous stuff that like, is that peaty or is it no no, no it's proper Irish smooth oh, no, really I like my peaty now but I'm that you, does I'm with you on the peaty yeah. uh, so I mean if there's any I mean I personally uh, will go for any of the Scottish brands uh, so if anybody's listening from any and not just limited to Laphroaig Oban Glen, Glenfiddich uh, I'll give you a winning situation we yeah. could just stay Irish Kilbegan distilleries and just give us a Connemara because like you're getting a bit of the best of both worlds yeah oh yeah like, like a good Connemara as well definitely no question but yeah most Irish whiskeys yeah, we keep doing this because I'd rather do 20 minutes on the on PD whiskeys and, and Irish versus Scotch uh, rather than talk about that game yeah that's <laughs> it uh, this is the whiskey podcast from Craggy Rugby and uh, more of that anon oh how we all miss a nice quiet whiskey down in uh down in Murty Rabbits after a rugby game, Alan? Oh, no no question. Especially after a game. <laughs> they're not quiet, but they're nice. Yeah, especially after a game like that. You know, you're looking at half-time, you're standing there going, wow, this is really good. Connacht did really well. They grew into that game. Look as though they have a good chance now of kicking on. And, wow, second half, completely different. Yeah, I mean, I, I started by giving you a heavy question instead of an introduction, Dave, but it is true. The home form has been dreadful. What, I'm going to list them off, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Teams have beaten Connacht at the sports ground this season are the Scarlets, followed by uh, Ulster, Bristol, that might be in the right order, and Munster, and now the Ospreys. That's a yeah. lot of teams. And look at the two, the two teams you've beaten are... Benetton, and we didn't play that well in that game. No. But Glasgow, we were fantastic, but that but seems what was like the years ago. What was the, what was the one thing that was at the Glasgow game that hasn't been at any of the other games? Oh, I feel like I should know that, and I don't know that I unless, do. unless like Tom Farrell was there. But I no, don't think you mean no, that. No, the crowd, the Connacht clan have been missed. We just had two hundred, but they made a bit of noise. Absolutely, they certainly did. And again tonight, it was another one of those things where the the Ospreys bench were making a huge amount more noise than any of the Connacht people that were here. I mean, uh, this is sorry, what, fans, for forgetting you there. No, this <laughs> this is what teams do. I mean, I don't know if Al, were you ever at the game? Were you at the game that Punty Preeth played here? Yeah. Where the, where the it's the playoff. There's the two-legged. No, 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 that no. was in that loan. This was an Eagles game, and the Ponty Breed crowd started singing "Ash, Ash" half an hour before the game started, and finished half an hour afterwards, and probably into well into the night. The Welsh teams bring a passion and a noise because they it's it's who they are. We are very. Maybe it's because it's not the biggest sport in this part of the world. Maybe it's because we, it, I, I would argue that there are certain other clubs whose fans are equally as quiet as this. One particular group of season ticket holders are extremely quiet. There's another group of season ticket holders who are not. But I think there's a quietness within Irish rugby anyway. And it's getting not in the sports ground when it's no, packed. You don't mean the sports no, ground. No, 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 no. You're just saying quietness. It's like the kind yeah, of subs you you're you, you in an empty ground. Yeah. 
The only... Obviously, we're missing the noise of, the of the West. Again, the one game, the one game where there was a bit of noise was the Treviso game. But every game since then has been very, very quiet. And they were and just, they were up for everything. I mean, it's a little bit OTT at times. Not every tackle, not every uh, decision. But but it, it, it's well, about because you're talking about this from you were in behind the glass in the far side and you noticed it. We're well, right fair, in front. Of I, 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 yeah. You were listening to us, where you got yeah, it wrong. Yeah, I was listening to you because I couldn't because it is a little bit. It, it, and I mean, that's another thing as well. It's hermetically sealed over there, and it's even. <laughs> So it's an artificial situation made more artificial. Um, but yeah, but you're picking it up through the headphones. The only, weirdly enough, the only person I could hear through the glass was Frank. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a, but there was a lack of... But I do think Connacht, and this is not just in terms of, of noise, but there's a passivity at times that other teams just go, well, so if you're going to be passive, we're going to make hay. And the, the couple of times when Connacht weren't passive, they got the knock-on and they got the try. And then... They weren't passive on Tipperich, and they got him put in the bin, which is what you think is massive. But then, I don't know what, Toby Booth, who is not of traditional Welsh rugby heritage. He's, he's English. Like, he should be in there, and it should be all a bit more. William said that during the commentary, uh, or, or certainly during the halftime, he said, Toby Booth is bringing a bit of premiership rugby to the Ospreys. He's right, isn't he? Uh, Sorry for killing no, your train of thought. No, no, but in one way he isn't because in the Ospreys eventually they will spread it out to the in, in the Premiership eventually they spread it out to the backs and they will let the backs do get all the get the little bit of finishing glass. Circa 2011 in yeah. Premiership. I mean, it, yeah, but Toby Booth. I mean, let's, let's be frank. Toby Booth hasn't exactly pulled up many trees in the Premiership, so. Um, but he's pulling them up he's here. Doing, what he are we at? Five wins from six. A lovely moment at the end of the game. The huddle. I. I liked everything I saw from the Ospreys today. And maybe, like, I'll bring Alan in on this, but you finish your point first. I, I did. Mean, I mean, yeah. if you look at the two teams that have really, really turned their form around in the last few weeks, both of them have changed their coaches. That's Cardiff and the Ospreys. And they brought in guys, and who did they bring in? Toby Booth and our friend from Wasps, Di Young. You used a word there which I thought was brilliantly chosen because I think it's very apt, which is the passivity. And I think that's very relevant because we talk about it on the bench. And the reason I think we do is subconsciously we know it's transferring onto the field. The Ospreys are loud, they're fired up, Dan Lydiaite lives off that. We were all over the place. And we're lacklustre at times. We were. We, we 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 didn't seem to come out of the dressing room in the second half. Like we were we, we had an extra man and we didn't make it count. Um and for me the change in front rows was was incredible. Their 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 bench front row was far better than their starting front row and it changed the game completely because it gave them the front foot ball and it gave them the power and control because in the first half, like at half time you know, I rang Danny and said Cricky, we're, we're dominating them in the pack aren't we we're just yeah. dominating them but in the second half we got bullied off the field Is it fair to say they drove Dennis Buckley Finlay Bealham and Dave Heffernan off no. the field didn't they? No. But they're dominant no. Buckley went off at the same they, got, they changed their entire front row at the same time they got the Prothero try Dennis Buckley went off at the same time so but that's after two penalties have been conceded. I not at the scrum. At that point, you see, they turned around the scrum with a penalty here after Connacht got the turnover. Andy Friend is going to speak in a few seconds on this podcast, and you follow up Alan here on this, Dave, because I might have taken you off your train there. But they got the the penalty there. I think that might have uh, might have been a knock to Buckley as well. But I think there was just momentum changing happening in the scrum. They got a couple before he went off. Yes, I do believe you're right. Their bench were fantastic off the front row but I also think it was like that classic Leinster-Northampton moment something happened in the dressing room they made a couple of adjustments because if you think of all those penalties Alan there's something happened that's in scrum penalties sometimes if they're happening before any sort of battle sometimes that can be changed with a bit of technical stuff mm-hmm. 
we didn't actually have a battle in the first half. We just had loads of penalties. We did, we did. They, they, they forced it. They, they figured it out. They figured out what they needed to do and, and made some tactical changes. And also, they tightened up their game. They went from trying to throw the ball around to just playing tight rugby because that's what we we struggle against. And we really missed Quinn Rue there today, who was supposed to be playing and had to had to cry off with a head knock. And so you, you're suddenly losing an international class player, um, you know, who who could have possibly made a difference had he been on the field or certainly you know if you're taking him off when he's tired because Ulton looked as though he was in trouble for a while before he eventually got taken off um, to be bringing someone like that on might have might have made a difference but Connacht also went off script at the end again that's what I saw they went off script I'm not, I'm not just yeah. talking about Papa Lee I'm talking before that you know on 71 minutes we make it we have a line it we make a break and and you know, Papali has a great carry, then there's a follow-up carry by Delahunt, who then seems to pick another one and go, which seems to throw everybody else off, and all of a sudden we were just all over the place and eventually knocked the ball on. And sort of going, yeah, there, there, there seems to be... Yeah, Aki came into the line and got in the way of Blade, who was trying yeah. to get it on to Oliver, I think, and it all went wrong. But I like your point there about Delahunt picking it up and going, you know, we give players credit, it was clever, he wasn't held, but also you're trying to set up a structure and you're out of structure then yeah off script off game you're going off you're going off script a little bit too much like you can't sometimes that works Some too many times it doesn't like for me again I thought Fitzgerald actually played very well but he didn't I didn't see him much in the last 10 minutes again 15 minutes but I, I need to go back and look at it again do you know, do you know who Stephen Myler reminded me of Eric Elwood 2003 when we were playing Harlequins all that just when he was towards the end of his career and people were saying how is he still playing this is why he's still playing because he's got a rugby brain like no one else and he was kicking brilliantly and yeah Myler didn't find a lot of distance with his touch yeah he had a few wild passes but in those closing stages he was just there to calm things down I was kind of impressed yeah. with him I thought he was yeah. I know why he's there yeah he, he, gave, the he, gave, he gave a level of control a level that's what you're looking for your 10 you want the level yeah. of control there that, that was there for certainly in the first half from, from Connor but in the second half as the forwards started to get beaten up then it's harder for a, a 10 to do that but he didn't you know the last one we had here Jack took control of the game and just dominated in the last 15-20 minutes that didn't happen tonight Looking at the evening setting sun here in Galway and you can see the roof of the cathedral over there it is a beautiful sight this city and it's lovely to be out and about and we need to see the bright side of life sometimes but Dave before we hear from the uh, post-game interviews you know we can be as uplifting as we can but the whole point of taking the positives from my perspective out of the Christmas period even though we didn't get the results that we wanted was that I felt that it would pay off going into the uh, into the forthcoming set of fixtures and so far not so good well first of all what set of fixtures is this game and another game over in, in you said, this is our last game. <laughs> what are you doing for the summer <laughs> yeah I wasn't I, I don't I was kind of seeing everybody's point of view after the Munster game. Um, I, you start to think, it's like, what game was the anomaly? And you have to start to say that the Leinster game was the anomaly because, mm. because to be honest with you, we got a little bit of a lucky break in their selection, which I thought was a bit disrespectful. I mean, they played a thirty, they played a thirty-five-year-old guy at out half. Yeah, but I think that was that, that well, might he, have been COVID-related as well. They had yeah, some. Might, well, yeah, well, they played a thirty-five-year-old guy out half at out half. Leinster did against us, and he was seen to be, you know, running through treacle. And I believe they played him last night. And he got injured. So I mean, there has to be thoughts there about I mean, who you pick. Uh, Myler, I thought the one thing Myler didn't do tonight was was kick. I thought the one I was the one I thought I thought they didn't kick. I was expecting them to kick. I mean, I. 
I think it was a clever move because we were all. Yeah. I mean, I, if you've. I wonder if, if those stats actually reflect more previous before boot as opposed to post. But if you look, if you look at, I mean, if you'd watch, if you'd been unfortunate enough to watch the Welsh derbies over the Christmas period, they were they were kick fest, pointless kick fest, and every I think most of their kicks today were. Well, they didn't do that as many as you're expecting, and the ones they did do were were had had thought processes behind them. You're right, uh, Connor Fitz did go go missing, but then I think everybody went missing. No, I mean, I I'm going to say something that I thought our substit- we've got to do sub stop doing substitutions by rote. That there's prescribed times you're taking players on and you're taking players off because is this something that Dave says every season? I feel like <laughs> I feel I like mean, we should just go back through the last five seasons. And I mean, but I mean, yeah, no, I'm not knocking your point there, but yeah, you do say this. Um, yeah, because it's not. It is something that that's not dealt with. I mean, to a certain degree, their substitution, their front row was by, was was prescribed, but also they were getting absolutely hammered. But when we do it, it seems to just be we're taking players off and. Take the players off who are A, injured, or B, not going well. And I think we took off, and especially when you're taking off Butler, you're taking off Buckley, you're taking off Bealham, and and you're taking off so much leadership. And there was a lack of leadership, especially at the end there, with no Quinn as well. Brilliant segue, because within the middle of the press conference, Andy Friend actually talks about the bouncer is maybe not having the impact that he wanted. So here is Andy Friend, and you're also going to hear from Connor Oliver chatting to me afterwards. Andy, um you know, we've been here before and we're here again. The sports ground has kind of lost its allure, obviously, without the fans, but it's lost it in terms of uh, Connick's win record as well. Yeah, it's not good, mate, is it? It's four on, on the bounce. So um, if I had the answer, Rob, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about another loss, but we need to find it and we need to find it quickly. I know that for sure, mate. So it, it's very disappointing. It was a strange turnaround, Andy. That third quarter must have been really hard to watch from your perspective. You know, no, that's the third quarter. That's the one you thought. I thought you just meant the last one, and that was it, mate. Like we said at halftime, I thought we put ourselves in a great position. Mm. I thought the way we rallied in that in that first half, the the tail end of the first half, probably more of the last fifteen minutes, was really impressive. I didn't think we started that well, but I thought we found our groove to get the try and the yellow card in extra time at the end of the first half. We coming seventeen five up. That's that's our game now. Has to be our game. And off the restart, we do exactly what we say we want to do, which is get the turnover. We've got a scrum right-hand side, 20 metres out. We should be scoring there. But instead, soft penalty into another one, into another one, and then they're tapping down five minutes later, 14 minutes against 15. It's just really infuriating. Just kind of hanging in on the, what turned around. From our perspective, the changes they made in the front row seem to transform their scrum and the line-out. What's your perspective on what happened in those areas? Uh, possibly we need to have a look at that. I, I thought the end, of, you know, the first half. I, I said to the, the forwards at halftime, I'm really impressed with what we were doing. Um, but again, we we I thought the, the penalty start of the first half wasn't good, and then we had a couple of errors. Um, so we we decided to make the change, and we want our bouncers to come on and and uh, and not you know and to add energy. And, was that the reason? I don't know, mate. I'll put my hand up if it is. I'll go and have a closer look at it. But at that stage, momentum had swung and, and we weren't good enough to drag it back in. Can we place that final 10 minutes in the same category as what went wrong in those other games against Munster and Ulster and obviously Racing, you know, those closing stages? Do you place that in the same category as not finding, you know, what you needed when you had a platform? No, I don't. I think it was a very different game to those ones. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was a different game, mate. I, I, 
I still thought uh, with five minutes to go, we had a chance of winning that. Um, but again, just over around the footy and a knock on and uh, we just couldn't, yeah, there's probably too much momentum with Ospreys at the time. And they had, a, you know, they, they were very, um, they were very buoyed by you know, the previous 35 minutes at that stage. So, um, no, I, I, listen, again, I'll have a look at it, but I, I, I see more as individual games, Rob. I just, looking at it, Andy, you know, we really have to give credit for how good the Ospreys are. And, you know, today they were superb, obviously, but a lot of players are going to put their hand up now for the Welsh Six Nations squad. So just taking that into account, it can be, there are different Osprey side than maybe we've seen for the last few seasons. So that all that being said, it is a real big momentum stopper. You know, we spoke off to the, the Munster game and there was a lot of positives to take off out of that Christmas period. But you yourselves put down a marker. You needed to win this one. So, like again, I've asked you this before, but can you place this in the context of where it fits in your season and what it's going to mean? Um, they were good, but again, and we knew it was always going to be a good contest. But you know, I, them coming here, us being at the sports ground, we needed to be the better team today, and we weren't. So. Um, what does that mean for this season? It just means we're going to have to fight a hell of a lot harder and we've got to actually front up to what's going on at the moment. Why are we Why are we not putting those teams away? Why are we not finishing those moments when we get them? And how do we we build so much good pressure and then we release it so easily and, and we just... Uh, that, that's probably my biggest frustration. There's, you know, we'll, we'll pour through that and, yeah, we'll find the error. Of course we will. But there's a lot of good stuff. But how do we maintain that? And and that's that's the thing we're missing at the moment, Rob. And that's that's what we need to need to find really quickly if we want to be the team we say we want to be. Connor, uh, just a couple of quick questions for yourself. Uh, just on that, yeah, that's not where you want to be. Would you agree with that? And in these early stages after the game, do you have any kind of overall feeling about what went wrong today? I mean, similar to what Randy said, really, we, we built good pressure and then and then didn't didn't um, kind of use our platform and stuff like that. Probably just kind of ease in the second half. Gave them a lot of energy and probably took a lot of energy out, out, of, out of the team. They were down to 14 men and look, we didn't we didn't take that opportunity the way we wanted to. And just gave them penalties, they got field position. And that was kind of, the momentum just kind of swung that way. Did you feel that they were suddenly uh, more effective in the mall? Did that strike you? What did you do to try and fix that? Um, no, I don't think, not necessarily in the mall. Maybe, maybe that cut the scrum and stuff like that. We have a foothold, but then again, that was kind of 50-50. Um, could have went either way. Um, they, they got a few calls. and then. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really think that the ball was, was too, too much of an issue, really, to be honest. Those closing stages, you had two or three lineouts right on the edge of the 22. I mean, that's what you're going to be looking back probably with most regret because you had a chance still six points down to win that game. Yeah, yeah 100%. As I said before, we didn't take that opportunity. So, yeah, that's it, really. Looking ahead to the Dragons, Connor, what more are you going to have to bring? I mean, is it is it an energy thing or is it a game plan thing? Um, look, we just have to be clinical and we have the opportunities. We have to pick the field position. As you said, we have the lineups, we have the scrums in their half. And look, we just have, we have, to, we have to be clinical with them and get, and get points every time we enter that enter their half, their, their 22. Um, yeah, that's, that's it really. We just have to be a bit more clinical with our field position. So there's a Scotch called Brook Laddie that I really like. No, no, what's that, where's that from? Brook Laddock. Thank you, I can't pronounce it right. It's beautiful. It's my new favourite one. 
Because I like a lag of woolen, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah, no, it's good to see. Um, no, but, but, yeah. We need to come back with some Irish whiskeys here to, to balance this up. You introduced me to that Irishman whiskey, which is actually very nice. The Irish, yes, the Irishman is what I was going to come back with, because the Irishman is a fabulous whiskey. What distillery is that? Uh, I'm not sure which distillery it is, but it's called the Irishman, and it's a fabulous whiskey, and it's, it's really smooth, and it's really... It just warms you up gently. It's gorgeous. Mm, hip glass whiskey. Mm. William, welcome welcome to this part of the podcast. Actually, welcome to the podcast because you're not doing the in-game. You were doing the commentary with me. Indeed, Rob. Good to be here. Good to be here. Do you know what? We, we keep saying that even when things don't go our way. What a strange season, William. I mean, what a strange season. Our away form is fantastic. Our home form is horrendous. Can I say horrendous? Yeah, it's starting to get that way. It's uh, Sides are turning up here and doing a bit of a number on them. Um... And today, I mean, you're 17-5 up at half time. Mm. Probably that's an over-representation of how well Connacht did, but you've Justin Tipperick in the bench for seven minutes of the second half. I think he was man of the match, which takes a bit of doing to be man of the match and have had a yellow card. <laughs> and he was man of the match. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was a fair point. At the back of that scrum, he was pretty... Yeah, and I think... Connacht just didn't turn up in the second half. But I think a lot of it was they weren't allowed to turn up, and I think that's a big... Uh, that's a big issue for them. They started slowly. Uh, the Ospreys fixed their problems in their mall. They changed their front row around. That made a huge difference. But Connacht seemed... The, the longer the half went on, the, the whole Connacht ethos seemed to ebb away from them. I put it to you, Alan, that the ebbs and flows within games for Connacht this season are kind of worse than I've seen in other years. At times we look desolate. We look beaten. We look like Dave nearly falling down the steps there while he was moving around, but he's okay. Um, but you know what I mean? This, we can really dip. There was one point there when they had scored the two tries and the whole team looked beaten. Yeah. Then they surged back in and then they dropped again. And they came in and they, they got a good penalty and they, they you know got themselves back in front and then made a mistake. Mm. And that happened too often. Every time we, we scored, we made a mistake and gave, the, gave them the thing. That's, you know... And most of them were unforced. They weren't forced errors. Most of them were fairly unforced errors, and that's that's where the frustration leads. Leads, and that, that you know, you look at teams like Leinster and Munster don't make those mistakes. Certainly not as often as our guys do, and that's where I'm interested in the performance. You know, Jack Bertwistle making the the difference. That how do you how do you keep coming back from that? Because up to this game. I could see that there was definitely progressions coming on and we were learning, we were playing against teams with much bigger budgets and, and you know, plenty more internationals and whatever. And I thought, yeah, we were, we were doing it, we were starting to live with it, but, but that last 20 minutes was, it just didn't seem to be there and we went off script too often and, you know, it was, yeah, there was just a fierce lack of leadership out there. Yeah, but they're a serious team. They've been underperforming for a very long time. It's, it's a, a region, a franchise in Wales that has been in a shambles for years. So Toby Booth has come in now, and he seems to have got something going. I mean, look at the players he has. I've just mentioned Tipperick. You've got, um, you've got Dan Lydiot. You've got uh, George North. You've got Reese Webb. You've got Adam Beard, who had a huge game. And and it's sometimes they would turn up for the Ospreys and not bother turning up. Watkins looked like an international Six yeah. Nations player today. Absolutely, and they're going to start two. You know, two two weeks time, they're going to be discussed in the context of the Wales-Ireland Six Nations game. So you've got to expect that sort of performance from them. But, the but would you not say that Munster would have even had more star power than that? They did. They did. Um, you know what I'm trying to say, though? They you? did, but the point I would I make... I wonder, do we make excuses too easily? No, no, I'm not making an excuse. The point I'm making is, if you're going to beat a side like that, you've got to be playing properly. That's the whole issue. When they come here, it's a privilege for us to be able to say, look at these guys, let's see what our fellas you can do. I did bump on the fact, and like, forgive me, because like... 
you know, I don't, I don't want to be too critical of anything Connacht do in press conferences because I think in all my years covering sport, you have to go back to the time when there wasn't media officers and we could just talk to anyone for a team that I've covered that have, to be as open and interesting as Connacht are at the moment. And I mean that. I do a lot of GA coverage and I know the way they've shut down in every inter-county com- press conference and I've covered a lot of Connacht situations and you have too where they haven't been as open. So I say this with that in mind, but at the same time, I did feel some of the rhetoric this week about the fact that we need to front up in a game against the Ospreys struck the wrong tone for me. It, it wasn't that kind of game. It was, it was outside, you know, international window. We were playing their full strength side. It wasn't about we need to bring that energy. Of course you do. They're as good as Munster. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I think they were, I don't know whether they were trying to convince us or convince themselves. And I think that came simply because at Christmas, they won one out of three and they'd lost the two games f- prior to that. So, you know, they're a side that's losing more than they're winning. Mm. And Jesus, one from six now. God. Yeah, that that's tough. And this is a side you probably wouldn't want to be playing who have got players. I mean, they could turn up, say they were playing this game in two weeks' time, they could turn up here with a load of kids and seven or eight or nine players missing. And that's, but you have to deal with what's in front of you. But they didn't come to terms with the game. Even when they went in at half-time, you still felt that it wasn't lucky that they were ahead at half-time, but that they hadn't played particularly well. But it should have galvanised them. It should have driven them on. And it didn't. And the second half was a, was never got going. And the, the last 15 minutes was a, was a bit of a shambles. To be honest, I don't even think we had a platform in their 22. Despite having three good platforms towards the closing stages, they were all based outside the 22. I think we had the kick as well. Like, the Ospreys dominated the second half. Alan Bobby has some stats. Dave, I mean, bottom line, the, the team that deserved to win won. Oh, yeah. There's no point. There's, yeah, there's n- they just were super. I mean, it is... If you see off an all-international front row, and three, and they bring on three lads who are good, good, pro fourteen players, good professionals, better than better than club players, mm. maybe not quite international class. And you didn't get beaten up by those three guys. Mm. But that's 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 a weird message to send out. I mean, you've seen. I mean, we made. There were things. You need things to go your way. You haven't played particularly well, and you're seventeen five up, and you think, and, and they're one of their best players is in the bin. You need everything. You need, you need to kick on from that. And actually, weirdly, the first two minutes of the second half, they did. First two minutes of the second half, they they forced a knock on from a kickoff, got the scrum, and then after that, everything went to went down the toilet. So it's it's there were things there are things you can you can quibble about. My, I I think they how they didn't score two tries in the first half. The Ospreys is beyond me. But they then they go and score from a forward pass. So I mean. It's not necessarily that the result is wrong. It's not necessarily that the score is wrong. Maybe the tries are wrong. But ultimately, if we'd lost that 3-0, it would have been, it would have been fair. So, you know. Yeah, it was kind of that kind of game. Alan, where to from here? We played the Dragons in two weeks, Rob. Well, we need to find belief. It's not, the, it's not leadership, because I just think about what I said there a couple of minutes ago, the lack of leadership. I don't think it was leadership. It was lack, yeah. it was lack of belief. I'm glad you, yeah, because I, I feel like we have to dig deeper into this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there was a belief. Guys didn't believe that everyone else was going to do what they had to do, so they ended up playing as individuals in the last mm-hmm. 10 or 15 mm-hmm. minutes. And you sort of go, no, you have to believe in what you're doing, guys, and it, that's very important. I agree, but that's what happens when you keep losing. That's where your belief goes. Is if, you, if, if you keep losing, and particularly losing at home, uh, I think belief drift drifts away from you. And really what happened in the second half was, as Dave said, the Ospreys got a bit of a toehold. Then they started playing better. And that's when you saw Connick think, oh, what's going to happen? This is, this is going wrong again. This is, this is, this is, we're in trouble here. And you knew even when they were 2019 ahead, 
you just kind of thought the Ospreys are in complete control of this yeah. game now. They're going to close this game yeah. out. Yeah. And playing like a team that were 10 points up on those scrums yeah. when they were one point down. And that, you know, uh, Reese Webb does that. He struts around the place at scrum half irritates the hell out of people at times but he's a very good player but the whole their body language was so positive and, and as Alan says I think the belief drifts away but when you've only won one game in six in any sport uh, in a league scenario that's what happens but I would argue it, it swung on one pivotal decision which was Connacht actually for once drove them back and he gave it as a wheel scrum when actually they'd driven them back. And that's why they and chose that, that to go to the line out. To go to the line out because I, yeah. I think I think there were there were things. I mean, it is my William, you're not. So, <laughs> I thought I thought I thought I thought like I thought one thing was for sure. I thought Connacht were like, and you heard from the Connacht bench was one of the first times we heard them. They were like, "Well done, Berkey." They felt whatever he was struggling with in the previous scrums, he started to turn in his face. But that but that's great management of the game by the Scarlets by the yeah, Ospreys who simply who simply go. Right, there's a problem here because now the referee, they probably think the referee's guessing and the next one could be against us. Let's go for a line out. Here's the difference. I don't think Connacht would show that kind of mindset in that situation. And I think time and time again, they haven't made us go, oh, that was a good decision. Speaking of, Alan, I feel like you are the best man to ask this. Can you put into some context Abraham Papayili's decision to take a tap and go and maybe put some balance on it? Because in the commentary, myself and William were literally... I said I was speechless and our listeners have listened to us long enough know that it's rare that I am. And if I am, I've failed my job, so I managed to find the words. But I was, it, was just, it was actually kind of breathtaking in a bad way that he just went off script so much. And, and let the team down. Yeah, but they, they, they were going off script before that. that you like, said that already. Is that, yeah. is that how we contextualise this and don't yeah. hammer the guy? Because he's having an awful time at the moment. He is, yeah. Like, it, it wasn't just him. It wasn't that it, they had been going off script prior to that. Um, that just looked as though it was that much Look worse bad. again. Yeah, because the know. team... Yeah. You know, the, 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 the liners had been going well, so there was no reason there was no reason not to kick the ball into the corner. There was wasn't much of a wind out there to you know to stop the ball from going any any major distance and and Fitzgerald was kicking really well into the corners and getting good distance on his kick so yeah the rest of the team had gone at that stage and that's the, that's the lack of belief as well because he's had two red cards and obviously you know any mistake he makes is probably you know the microscope is on him maybe we should just leave it at that is that fair enough yeah, I mean, look, it's 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 a pressure situation for him, but I'm sure that'll be discussed at the team meeting. There'll be a the team Zoom meeting tomorrow will probably be quite uh, quite harsh. I think I'd switch my camera off on that particular meeting if I was in there. I I, I think there's so many of them; they all do switch their cameras off, mm. but they are expected to to take part, and then they break up into groups. I think it's 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 very very disappointing, but. Um, they look, they got to get ready for a game on Friday week uh, away to the Dragons. Uh, not an easy place to go these days. And there's still stuff to play for this season. Oh, but, yeah. but They're still in a battle for the top three, which is Champions Cup qualification. Yes. And if this season goes beyond the six games that we know are likely to be scheduled in for in between now and the end of March, there could be a playoff situation in this competition still. We take it as a... That's the only way they can take it. And a special word of thanks today, to, uh, I think, has to be for Dave Holland and his team, oh, yeah. who got this game on. I had a chat with him at half time because over on the far side we can see all these bits of plastic, mm. and he explained to me that they covered half the pitch last night, the area that doesn't get any sun, mm. and they had ten millimeters of ice to take off this morning, so they had to cut all the plastic up and then drag it off, and it took them nearly two and a half hours to get it off. Uh, so that's the amount of effort, and the pitch held up. 
brilliantly. Yeah, well done, guys. Okay, final thoughts around the table. I think Dave has won. Yes, Ma- that the the bend on the dog track at uh, College Road is still frozen, and it's been frozen all day. That shows you how yeah, difficult different patches are here. My final thoughts: You mentioned Reese Webb can get under people's skins. I thought you made a great point during the game. At one point, he won. Uh, they won a penalty scrum, and he did a little tap on the head of an opponent. I don't like that. Lacks class, and it's just something I saw in last night's Monster Leinster game as well. There is a difference between positive reinforcement, which should be there, cheering should be there, and goading. And there's no place for it in the game. And I think it's crept in. And I think not enough people have just stamped it out. We know Nigel Owens was always great for just saying, "Hey, enough." For that and if you do it again you're off but uh, you got to keep the class and if you're tapping a player on the shoulder or ahead after you win a penalty it lacks class uh, it was Jared Butler's second knock on from the oh, kick oh still so they hadn't even earned it it was a mistake from a mistake point. and he just the way he did it as he passed him he just sort of tapped him on the shoulder and it wasn't a tap on the shoulder to say bad luck old chap yeah. uh, because he'd already had a tap on the shoulder from Caelan Blade yeah. and it drives me nuts and I said in the commentary and I'll say it again in old fashioned rugby he would have been smacked on the jaw and he wouldn't have done it again and but you don't do that these days no. but I'd like to see the referees and the t- uh, assistant referees just, just pull over and say look cop on yeah. you're a, you're, you're a, a an international rugby player you're 36 years of age come on it's it's a bad example to sp- to set to younger players who think that's the thing you do yeah be excited some of the stuff last night Leinster Munster it's that's becoming a drag isn't it so it's so pathetic it's all for show yeah. it doesn't even feel genuine uh, so yeah less of that and if you think we wouldn't call out our own players uh, you don't listen to this podcast very often because we don't like it from any side so whether it's us or our opponents Alan have you anything to add to this very disappointing afternoon no I love it. That's a man who's also editing the podcast, so he just wants to save some time too. Dave, you're entering to, uh, to this very disappointing uh, No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> we're all off to Murty Rabbits in our heads, but in reality we're off home, and soon you will all be back here and we'll be happier, and I have a funny feeling the lads on the field will be happier. That's it from us. Thanks, guys. Loose, cut it loose. Break out or nothing changes Side